You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. Probably most of us are familiar with the account of the Lord Jesus and the demoniac of Gadara. I've entitled the message this morning, Is Satan Really Real? Mark chapter 5, verse 1. I'll read through verse 20. And they came over unto the other side of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken into pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always night and day, He was in the mountain and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus, our champion of love, what a powerful, but when he saw Jesus, sorry. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him and cried with a loud voice, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And there was nigh the mountains a great herd of swines feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them and forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran vehemently down the steep place into the sea, and they were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had a legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Our champion of love. 
and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coast and when it was coming to the ship, he that had, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Dicopolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men marveled. What an amazing story. Joel, pray for us. Thank you, son. Before we really get into the text this morning that we've just read, I think it would be helpful to us to kind of go into the background of exactly what is transpiring here as they come across this man possessed with a legion of demons. If you go back to chapter 3 with me, just do there quickly, okay? We see in verse 1 and verse 2, we... Find the Lord Jesus teaching in the synagogues. And then in verse 14 through verse 15, we find him ordaining the twelve and sending them forth to preach the gospel. Notice verse 15 of chapter 3 and to have power over, a power to heal sickness and to cast out what? To cast out devils. According to all of the gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the disciples had only been with the Lord Jesus for a very, very short time. Up to their encounter with this demoniac of Gadara, they had only seen the Lord provide or perform just a handful of miracles. They saw him heal the centurion's servant, They saw him heal the widow's son, cleanse the lepers, and how he healed Peter's mother-in-law of a very severe and high fever. So only a handful of miracles did they watch the Lord perform. Most of the time, in the early stages of their discipleship, they were just simply sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him preach and teach. Taking it all in. Go with me to chapter 4. Look at verse 1 and verse 2. 
And he began to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and set in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea and the land. Now, he did that for his voice to project, and we know how a voice projects over water because there was such a vast number of people. And he taught them. Oh, he did not have a sound system. Hallelujah. Wouldn't that be awesome if we didn't need a sound system? And he taught them many things by parables and said unto them in his doctrine. And then he teaches a few parables here. And then we come down to verse 33, verse 34. And with many such parables speak he the word unto them as they were able to hear it. And without a parable speak he not unto them. And when they were alone, he expounded all things to his disciples. So after the Lord would teach a parable, he'd take the disciples to the side and he would tell them exactly what that parable meant. Now, what is a parable? A parable is an earthly story that has a spiritual application to it. But sometimes it was difficult to see the application. And this caused the multitude to kind of scratch their head and say, well, we better go hear the next parable. And we better go hear the next parable. And yet, during that, Jesus would teach his disciples exactly what the parable meant. Now, I said all that to say this. Jesus, with great intention, stay with me, with great intention, now leaves the multitude. He gets into a ship and he travels to the opposite side of the Sea of Galilee. It was about a seven-mile trip. Do you know why he left the multitude and traveled to the other side of the Sea of Galilee? Because he had one man that he needed to meet up with. So very interesting to me. On the way, from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other, as they were probably about in the middle of the sea, all of a sudden, a great storm arises. And as you read this account, look at verse 35 through verse 41. As you read that account, you find out that the ship had almost completely filled up with water. Now, you can imagine how the disciples were bailing out the ship, bailing out the ship, doing everything they could do, throwing everything overboard that possibly could weigh the ship down, but, but they gained no headway. But where was Jesus? He was in the rear of the ship, in the hinder part of the ship. He's laying down. Do any of you know what he was doing? He was sleeping. How can you sleep through something like that? Only if you're the one that's in control of it. And so they wake the Lord Jesus up and they say, Carest thou not that we perish? Now, I begin to think through this whole thing. Now, I know who ultimately has control over nature. I understand that. But I was wondering, and I'm probably wrong, I'm probably completely off base, but I was wondering if Satan didn't know about that man on the other side that Jesus was going to see. And could it be at all possible that he had sent 
his host of demons down to stir up that sea and to cause the storm to hinder the Lord Jesus from getting to the other side. I think it is a possibility. Just something I thought about. And yet Jesus, our champion of love, was in control of the whole thing. And so after the Lord Jesus is awakened, he simply stands in the ship and says, peace be still. And immediately the storm ceased and an unbelievable calm came upon the Sea of Galilee. And listen, remember, the disciples had only been with him a short time. They had only seen a handful of miracles and they only have heard just a few parables. And they say, who is this man? I love that. Who is this man that even the wind and the sea obey him? So now they arrive on the other side. You know, God's word says that Jesus has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And they're going to run into a very lost individual here in just a moment. As they come into the country of the Gadarenes, they pass by a graveyard. And all of a sudden, out of the tombs comes this raving lunatic. You could only imagine, you could only picture in your mind what this man must have looked like. Dirty, filthy, long hair, bleeding because he was cutting himself with stones. You could almost imagine the voice that he used as he came and fell at the feet of Jesus and said, What have I to do with thee? Have you come to torment me? The man was completely naked, possessed with a legion of unclean spirits. Thousands of them in all. It would be the man himself that would testify that he was demon-possessed. And when you think of these demons that possessed him, these legion of demons, in the Roman army, a legion of men could be up to 6,000 men. So this man was, was truly under the grip and the authority and the power and the stronghold of Satan himself. Is Satan real? You better believe he's real. The wicked one had him completely in his grasp. Possessed by an army. Imagine that. Possessed by an army of evil spirits. Now, I really don't know what some of you are looking at. You may be probably looking at your phone. But uh, you have not looked up here at the preacher since he started preaching. 
so whatever you're looking at, probably be a good idea to put that away because I don't think it's probably your Bible. And the Lord may really want you to hear what the preacher is saying today. Because this stuff is real. I don't know how this man got in such a bad way. The Bible doesn't tell us what he did to open himself up to be possessed by a legion of demons. But demon possession is a real condition, and the Bible talks about it over and over again. That's why God's Word says, listen, do not give place to the devil. You want to give him ground and authority in your life? I'll guarantee you he will take it. You open the door, he will come in. That's why the Bible says, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist. Resist the devil. Don't open yourself up at all to him. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Even Jesus said to Peter, listen to these words, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired thee. Now stop and think about that. Satan has desired every single one of us here. Peter, Satan has desired thee that he may have you. Satan wants to have you. He wants to have his way with you. You better close the door. Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, the Lord Jesus said. Now this man was not the only person to be demon-possessed in the Bible. I actually just took the Gospels, read through the Gospels this week, and I was able to find at least eight accounts of different individuals being possessed by demons. Let me just read to you a couple. Matthew chapter 4, verse 24. In his fame, the fame of the Lord Jesus went out throughout Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those that were possessed with devils, who because of their possession were lunatics and had the palsy, and he healed them all. In Luke chapter 4, verse 36, verse 33 through verse 36, And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone! What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? Kind of sounds like the same thing the demoniac said, right? I know thee that thou art the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had torn him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they came out. These are just a couple of the eight different accounts of Jesus' encounter with demons. Now, according to the Bible, demons are involved in a lot of different things. They are real. This is not a fairy tale. 
I jotted down just a few things that demons are involved in or what their activities are. First of all, they are very organized. They are organized under Satan. There's a hierarchy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Demons have various ranks. Some are more powerful than others. Demons have the ability to demonize people. That is, they have the ability to possess individuals. One-third of all of the angels of heaven, which the Bible says was an innumerable number, we can't even put a number to how many angels were created by our Heavenly Father, but Satan took a third of those with him when he fell. We know that from Isaiah chapter 14 and from Revelation chapter 12. Demons can be visible and they can also be invisible. They can literally manifest themselves from time to time. Demons can be driven out of a possessed individual through the power of the Lord Jesus. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Demons can cause great confusion concerning the truth because they are liars. And they are very deceptive. What I want to focus on here for the next just couple of minutes is 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Demons can transform themselves into angels of light. Is it possible that Satan could actually stand behind a pulpit? Do you think demons go to church? Do you think it may be possible that some are even here right now at this present time? Actually, as I started this message this morning, I found my mind not clear. I found I was stumbling over some words. And though you may not have seen me do this, I had to resist the devil so the Lord would give me clarity of thought because I know this, the last thing the devil wants is for this message to go forth. So you should always pray for your preacher. They can transform themselves. Paul said, but I fear. He had a pastor's heart for his people. He said, but I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or receive another spirit which we have not received, or preaches another gospel which we have not accepted, ye might bear well with him. You may listen. 
For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. You better be careful. That's why you better search the scriptures to see whether these things be so. Satan is very active. This is my own personal belief. I know there are some who disagree with this, but it is my belief that a Christian cannot be possessed by an evil spirit. Once we are saved, we become a habitation of God through the Holy Spirit. We are no longer darkness, we are what? Light. Darkness and light could not exist in the same vessel. Greater is he that is what? In you, the Holy Spirit, than he that is in the world, which is Satan and his demons. So I do not believe that a Christian can be demon-possessed. I believe that we could be highly influenced. I believe we can be controlled by. But I don't believe that a Christian could ever be possessed by demons like this man was possessed. The Bible said he has... freed us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. A few weeks ago I quoted this passage of scripture and I'm going to return to it. But it's in Deuteronomy chapter 18 where there is strong warning, strong warning that goes out to God's people concerning being involved in any dynamic, occultic, activities whatsoever there are several things the bible says we shouldn't we shouldn't they're unclean we should not touch them first of all the bible warns about a magician a person who produces baffling effects by illusion or the sleight of hand curious arts sorcery a snake charmer i think we all know what that is an astrologer a person who professes to interpret or determine the supposed influence of the stars upon human events. Those that passed through the fire, this was the worship of Moloch, which involved human sacrifices. By the way, Solomon got involved in that. You believe that? Divination. This is a general term covering all types of magic, witchcraft, and occult practices. Observer of times, one who interprets natural events or events of nature to foretell the future. An enchanter, one who interprets omens, omens, a sign or indication of some future event, tarot cards, fortune telling, palm reading, enchantments. The arts of casting spells or the use of magic to charm or to bring a person under a spell. A witch, 
a woman who possesses supernatural power by compact with the devil and evil spirits. Witchcraft, the power or practices of witches, sorcery, black magic, bewitching, a charmer. Ever someone say, boy, is he ever a charmer? One who uses the power of the devil to charm, deceive, seduce, or enchant another. The power of a charmer delights and attracts the affection of a person, leading them into occult practices. Watch out for charmers. This is why the Bible says, do not give place to the devil. This man was possessed by many unclean spirits that had almost completely destroyed his life. I want to tell you something. Listen to me. Oh, how many times have I said this? He has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Do you realize that? There may be some of you here today, you've just opened yourself. Satan has desired you. And you have opened yourself, maybe in one of these areas that I've just read about where the Lord gives us such great warning. You think of the music of our day. You think of these video games, these evil, wicked, dynamic video games. If you don't believe that Satan has gained a powerful stronghold in our country, all you have to do is go to Walmart and walk into the book book section and see how many books are there that are connected with the occult, especially children's books. Children's books. Look at what the past 25 or 30 years has been put out there by Disney. I am sure that this Possession by a legion of demons was something that took place slowly in this individual's life. I don't think all of a sudden 6,000 demons moved into him. That's why the Bible talks about don't give place, don't give ground. You take ground from a person slowly. I think of Samson. Remember what it said? And he knew not that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. It was just a slow progression. And this is what happens. It's a slow progression. You just open the door, and slowly but surely, he takes over more and more of your life. It's a process. James said, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away. Slow progression. When he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. A slow progression. You may be here today and you are in that progression. I don't know when and where this man first opened himself to the devil. But he did, and eventually they took over. The Bible said no man could bind him. 
These demons gave him supernatural strength, and everyone feared him. I have heard of athletes that literally pray that Satan would possess them before they go out and participate in athletic events. If I name some of them, every one of you would know who I'm talking about. This man was so wild. No one could tame him. Uncontrollable. He was a, he was a danger to himself and to the public. He was his own worst enemy. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, instructing those that oppose themselves. This man was standing in opposition to his own self. Do you realize, do you realize when you open the door to Satan, you are in opposition to your own self? If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. He desires you, Jesus said. As I was processing this whole thing and thinking about certain individuals I know that have just opened themselves to the devil. As I was thinking about Satan transforming himself into an angel of light, I began to say, what, what are the indicators that there was demon activity going on here? The first thing I came up with is that the man was immoral. Running around with no clothes on, that's about as immoral as you can get. And as I thought about that, I thought that is exactly, that is exactly what Satan does as he begins to take over a person. He puts within them a stronghold of immorality. Look at our country. We've all been given ourselves over to immorality. Look at how many men are locked up, Greg. You're a guard. How many men are in there because of sexual crimes? I've heard at least a third. We feed on pornography. Our women dress immorally. One of the clear indications... The Satan is having his way in an individual's life as they begin to dress immoral. Remember my wife said to me one time, she says, Dan, I don't even think that some of our young ladies even realize they're dressing immorally. I said, yes, they do. They know an indication that Satan is having his way with you. And only time will tell where that can eventually take you. The next thing I noticed was this man is cutting himself, self-mutilation. 
I've heard so much about cutting in these past few years. Never heard about it before. But people who will cut themselves, who feel so worthless and devalued and helpless that they try to destroy them, that's exactly what Satan does. Now you can self-mutilate in drugs, alcohol, sex. You can destroy yourselves in so many ways. Nudity, self-mutilation, self-destruction. He lives among the tombs, obsession with death. Again, all the death music that we have today. Look at all of the shootings that we have today. Even in our churches, we always thought the church was a safe place. But we have to have cameras, we have to have a security team, we have to go through training. Obsession with death, video games. They're not just innocent. You are opening yourselves. Now I know I can see it written all over some of your faces. You, you, you're like, turn it off. I want to tell you something. There's not a person in this room that I don't love and I would not give my life for. And I'm saying these things because I truly, genuinely care for your soul. Immorality, self-mutilization, obsession with death, mental illness. He was not in his what? Until Jesus came along. Sometimes I wonder how many of us are really in our right mind. You give yourself over, listen to me, Satan will take control of your mind. God offers us life. He offers us value, fearfully, wonderfully made. He offers us self-worth, morality, forgiveness of sins, and eternal life. Amen? Who wouldn't take that offer? The only one I could think that wouldn't take that offer is someone who's not in their right mind. What does Satan offer? Destruction, death, and hell. Jesus saw this man as very dangerous. He saw him as completely disorderly, undressed, destructive, desperate, degraded. Let me ask you a question. What could he do about it? Well, he could do something about it that no one else could do. Amen. 
Thank God there's nothing too hard for him. Have you ever prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for someone and you're like, this is an impossible situation. I'm glad we serve a God of an impossibility. All those who lived there saw he is in, he, this is an impossible situation. We, we try to secure him with ropes and he breaks the ropes. We put chains on him to protect him from himself and to protect us from him. And he breaks the chains. I want to tell you something. If this man came running out of the tombs as he did here, I'm going to be running the other direction. You can imagine how everyone was just scared to death to go up there. Oh, we got a funeral? We got to go to the committal? Preacher, you bury him up there. I ain't going up there. I know that guy lives up there. You know, I think of uh, that rank of demons, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Satan has that rank. Do you remember the account where this man had a, a, bo- a little boy? Come up here, son. He's probably about your age, maybe, maybe a little older. And uh, get up here. And he had to tether this little boy to himself. He was kind of like you, to tell you the truth. And uh, every time they would go anywhere, the little boy would throw himself into a fire. If there was a fire there, the little boy would just throw himself into a fire. You could imagine there was open fires burning all over. If there was water there that was deep enough, this little boy would throw himself into the water and try to drown himself. This little boy was a mess. You're a mess, man. Get up here. <laughs> and so the father brings the little boy to the disciples that the disciples could cast. By the way, remember what the man said, have you come to torment me? Jesus never comes to torment people but to set them free. You see how deceived this man was? So he brings the child to the disciples. The disciples could not cast the demon out of this little boy. He was just foaming at the mouth and flailing himself all over. Do you think those disciples were a little bit embarrassed? Because Jesus had given them power over unclean spirits. And so they said, just just a minute. We need to go get Jesus. And so the disciples go and get Jesus. They bring Jesus. And Jesus says something very interesting. He said, this kind... He knew exactly what kind of demon was in that boy. He said, this kind does not come out. It'll come out, but by prayer and fasting. And immediately, Jesus cast that demon out of that little boy. So what that tells me is there are some demons that are stronger, more powerful than other demons. Could you imagine being possessed with a legion? 
You know what this man was desperately in need of? The grace of God. I love this verse in the Bible. Where sin abounds. Man, there was an abundance of sin in that man's life. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Look, look, at, look up here, every one of you. You cannot sin yourself out of the grace of God. I don't care what you've done, where you've been, how you've opened yourself. God's grace is available to you today. You, you can be set free if you want to be. As soon as the man saw Jesus, he cried out a very curious confession. What have I to do with thee, Jesus? The demons possessing this man were, they were fully aware of Jesus' person, his power, and his position. They recognized his divine origin and his supernatural power. That's why he ran, fell down, and worshipped him. Now, as I looked at that, that worship is not the kind of worship that we give. This was a worship out of complete fear, out of complete terror that Jesus was going to cast them out. You know what? When Jesus comes in, the devil has to get out. Don't make us leave this country! They had had such a stronghold in that community. Don't make us leave this country. They knew what was coming. And they besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. And they besought him that he would not cast them into the deep. Oh, my time, I can't believe the time. That word deep is the word from which we get the word abyss or bottomless pit. The demon said, do not cast us into the bottomless pit. I wanted to read this whole passage, it's almost a whole page here, I can't. But you go to Revelation chapter 9, during the tribulation period, sealed trumpet, bold judgments. During the trumpet judgment, the fifth trumpet judgment, the trumpet sounds, and Apollyon goes and he opens the lid to the bottomless pit, and out of the bottomless pit comes all of these scorpion demon creatures. It describes them, face like lions, or teeth like lions, uh, hair like women, tail like a, a scorpion. And multitudes of these demons come out of the bottomless pit and they, st- they go after humanity and they sting men. And the sting, the, the hurt of the sting lasts for five months. Said they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew is Abaddon, in the Greek tongue it is Apollyon. We know that's another name for Satan, the destroyer. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains, in utter darkness, under the judgment of that great day. There's a day God's going to let him out. Listen, it is so amazingly wicked and evil in the bottomless pit that even the demons don't want to go there. 
Don't cast us out of the country. Don't cast us into the bottomless pit. Guess what? One day Satan's going to end up there. The Bible said he'll be cast into the bottomless pit and rendered helpless for a thousand years. But isn't it, isn't it amazing that these demons confess what most men don't even believe? I came across this quote, and I'm almost done. Hang in there. It says, the devil is not an atheist, neither is he an agnostic. He believes that Jesus is the Son of God. They confess that. They believe in judgment. They believe in hell. The devils believe and tremble. They fear God. And if it were possible for them to be saved, which it is not, they would be closer to salvation than most men. For the demons themselves tremble at God's word, where most men do not. I want you to know something. When we come here to the Lord's house and we stand and we open this word, this is serious time. Once this man embraced the grace of God, what a change took place in his life. He used to sing a song. We don't sing it around here, but it goes something like this. There was a great change since I was born again. The things I used to do, don't do them anymore. The place I used to go, I don't go there anymore. The things I used to say, I don't say them anymore. There's been a great change since I've been born again. Again, when Jesus comes in, the devil has to go out. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. So much more that I could share. But just let me rehearse this, the before and after. Before salvation, he was possessed with a legion of demons. After salvation, he was liberated by Christ. Before he had devils, now the devils had departed from him. He was among the tombs. Now he's at the feet of Jesus. No man could tame him. He's now in his right mind. Before he was crying out and now he's praising God. Before he was cutting himself. Now he's going home to his friends and family. Before he wore no clothes. Afterwards he is clothed. He was once mad. And now he's in his right mind. I'm here to tell you, if you give your life to the Lord Jesus, He'll change you from the inside out. And when Jesus went into the ship, He that had been, He that had been possessed with the devils, prayed Him that He might be with. Don't make me leave you, Jesus. What if you were that man? Would you want to leave him either? That's why I think you'll notice when a person gets genuinely saved, where's the first place they want to be? In church. 
You don't have to tell them how important it is to be in church. They just want to be in church. You don't have to tell them how important it is to hang out with Christian friends. They just want to hang out. They just want new Christian friends. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not. He must have been so disappointed. But Jesus saith unto him, No, you've got a different ministry now. He said, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. I will never forget when I went to college, I worked at the Pats Corporation. I worked the night shift, work all night, get back early in the morning, try to get a little bit of sleep before I went to class. And I was working with a young man. I was a welder's assistant. I was working with a young man. His name was Eddie. And Eddie had long, greasy, nasty hair. He always came dirty and disheveled. And he always had a pack of cigarettes rolled up in his T-shirt. Just one of those factory rats. You know what I'm talking about? Eddie didn't smell too good. And I worked with him for a few months, shared the gospel with him. Actually, someone took a picture of me with my Bible during break time, sharing the gospel with Eddie. Forget who it was, took that picture. Eddie never did get saved. I'm at home for summer break, and this uh, young man pulls into, this is at Lawrence where my mom and dad live, this young man pulls into our parking lot and uh, comes over from the church, knocks on our door, and I opened the door, and I looked at this young man. I said, Eddie? And here was the next words that came out of my mouth. What happened to you? wasn't cigarettes rolled up in his sleeve his hair had been cut he wasn't dirty and disheveled anymore and this is what Eddie said to me he goes I've been born again he said every head bowed in you have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.